How's it going, everybody? Here to do a podcast talking about what I thought were the best movies of this year. And I'm also, you know, before we get into the best list, uh, you know, I try to not watch movies that I think I'm not going to like or that I think are going to be bad, you know. But, you know, even when you try to be careful, you're still going to end up, you know, seeing some films that maybe weren't for you. Um, and sometimes films that are just genuinely bad. So, you know, I know I had said last week that I was going to be doing a a worst movies list, but I decided I'm going to talk about a few movies that I thought were genuinely just awful. Then we'll go into my best of list and then we'll end everything out with my most anticipated for, for next year. Um... So, yeah, let's, uh, let's jump into this. Alright, so, worst of movies. Um, worst of 2022. Really, there's only two? Well, three. I'm going to say three, but with an asterisk. And it'll be the first one I talk about. The first one I got to mention is Black Adam. But the asterisk is it's not really worst film, although I don't think it was a very good film either. But it was more disappointment. You know, I I am someone who tends to be a fan of Dwayne Johnson as an actor. And I remember years ago back when the first talks about doing a Black Adam movie came up you know and this was like 10 years ago or longer and really pretty much from the beginning I felt like The Rock has always been sort of the guy shepherding this at least for the majority of it so I was really excited for it and I I, I was super bummed that you know the film got pushed back so much and then finally when we saw the bowl really start to move like a couple years ago that got me super excited that hey we might actually get this movie now so i watched it i didn't get to see it in the theater but i streamed it i'm disappointed to say the least was it fun sure absolutely a lot of great action sequences, things like that. Um, I think the opening sequence when Black Adam is first awakened is a really strong sequence. Um, and I thought the end battle was a really strong sequence. I actually really liked the the kid in the movie like he didn't bug me you know I saw a bunch of reviews saying that you know the kid was kind of annoying um I feel like they were tried to make this like a pseudo coming of age like superhero movie that is adjacent to what they did with Shazam but you know different And I don't know that they pulled it off. You know? Um, I actually think the parts of the movie that were 
the best for me were the things that were not strictly superhero related at all again the stuff with you know the kid and the uncle and the mom and you know all of that like that was the stuff that I was really interested in the stuff with Black Adam the stuff with like the the league all of that kind of stuff again it was cool but I I never felt really connected by anything and you know spoilers hopefully everybody listening to this are people that have seen all of the movies this year because I'm going to be talking about these movies so before I actually say anything I do want to say all of this is going to be spoilery but you know they kill off the one interesting character in the movie to me which was Dr. Fate so at that point it's like it was alright it was an alright movie so that's that w- that's in third place and number two is Disney's Pinocchio um, and you know the interesting thing is I actually came out of the movie wa- after watching it and kind of enjoying it. I think I even did a did a review for it. I talked about that, you know, I didn't think it was as bad as a lot of other people are making it out. I changed my mind, you know, and that just goes to prove that sometimes you just need to sit on something for a while. Sometimes, you know, you got to let something really just kind of sit with you. And this was one of those things for me because I don't like coming at movies with like harsh critique all the time, you know. And I actually, aside from Pinocchio, aside from Lion King, um, I tend to be somebody that enjoys the Disney remakes. So, you know, uh, admittedly, I was kind of on the defense a little bit. I, I wanted to like it because I love the story of Pinocchio. It's not good. Especially after seeing Wabba del Toro's Pinocchio, which, with uh, wink wink, we're going to be, talk- be talking about that one uh, shortly. Um, but there's just, the, like, there's no comparison between the two Pinocchio movies we've got. Well, out of all three of the Pinocchio movies we've gotten this year, there has been no, com- there's, there's no, yeah, there's just, there's just no denying. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it had to be there. It just, it felt soulless. It felt um, manufactured, you know. Um, and I would go out on a limb to say that this might be one of Zemeckis' worst films that he's ever done, if not his worst. Um, and I really like Zemeckis as a filmmaker. But it's bad. It's bad. But there shouldn't be any question what the number one movie that I thought was the worst of this year was. It was Morbius. It was, it was Morbius. Morbius was awful. Just, it was not good. And, you know, um, I will give them. I liked Jared Leto in the role. I mean, I still i am not sure how I feel about him as... A human being outside of being an actor but in terms of him playing the role I thought he was great I really liked some of the experimental things they tried to do with the movie you know playing with um, echolocation and I love the design of him when he actually transforms the action in it 
was cool. But man, was it a garbage fest. Man, it was a garbage fest. It just not not good. It just it wasn't good. So yeah. So those are the, the worst movies. Um, you know, um, there, there might have been some other movies that I watched that were, you know, that I didn't like as much. But they, they obviously didn't sit with me one way or the other because I can't think of what they are. So, you know, those really were the three that in this whole year of watching movies, I was just like, oof, those, those were bad. So there's my worst of list. All right, so let's get into this best of list, shall we? Now look, there's still a handful of movies that I haven't watched. I did finally sit down and watch Top Gun Maverick. Um, But, you know, I haven't watched Strange World. I haven't seen Tar or The Whale. A lot of the Oscar bait movies I have still yet to see, which I feel like happens every year, just because most of these movies only go out into theaters limited. But, so I, I just, I wanted to add that caveat to this list, is either movies just did make the list, and I like the ones that I have on my list better, or some movies I just haven't seen yet. Um, so, a couple honorable mentions that I will give before getting into the list is Lightyear. Lightyear stayed on the list just... Up until a couple weeks ago, I felt like. I, re- I really enjoyed Lightyear. I felt like a lot more than other people did. Um, Top Gun Maverick. You know, just the other day, I watched Top Gun, Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick back-to-back. It had been so long since I saw the original, I wanted to rewatch before watching the sequel. And I need to rewatch Maverick because I had a headache. And I wasn't really able to focus a whole lot on it. I totally get why this movie works for a lot of people. And why a lot of people have it in their top ten list. To me, it's an honorable mention. It absolutely is an honorable mention. There are some scenes in this movie that are downright just amazing. So cool. I Like, Tom Cruise is a nut doing the things that he does in his movies like the, the fighter sequences the the story was really great to me Top Gun Maverick is like a 11, 12, 13 movie on the list right and like when I say it barely missed it it barely missed it it's not like it's like in 20th place or 30 like it's right there it's so close to being there and just missed it the other movie, and you guys might laugh that I mentioned this because it's another Disney movie, but the other movie I have to mention, I have to, because I thought for sure this would be on the list, on my list, by the end of the year. It's the stupid Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie. That thing cracked me up through the entire thing. It like it was so funny and so good. I loved that thing. So great. So I had to mention it. But um, let's get into this list. So... For me, at number 10, is The Atom Project. So, you know, I talk about this all the time. But I am a sucker for any 
Emblem Entertainment-esque movie. Um, like, you know, E.T., The Goonies, Hook, you know, um, Super 8. You know, that's why I like Stranger Things so much on Netflix. Anything that has that, like, coming-of-age type 80s kind of feel to it. It's it's gonna be right. It's gonna be right there for me, um, assuming all things are flying on all cylinders and everything. Because the movie could still be garbage, and if the movie's garbage, I have no problem saying oof. But the Adam Project was such a good movie. It was such a beautiful story about fathers and sons, about a father and son, and the chemistry between Ryan Reynolds and Walker Scoble was just absolutely perfect. You absolutely believed that these were that this was the same person. Hal Walker was so easy, easily able to become Reynolds was just incredible. Really put this kid on the market for me, which makes me that much more excited for the Percy Jackson series when it comes out. Um, but it was just great. I love I love the down to earth, you know, feeling. It it had just enough fantasy or fantastical elements in it to make it unique but not detract from you know the heart of it so I uh, I really enjoyed that one I really really liked the Adam Project at number nine and this is gonna be a little bit of a different one for me because it sort of walks a fine line between documentary and film but I had to have it on my list I could not put it on this and I normally don't put like documentaries on my list because when I and this is just a me thing like this is not gonna this is not me telling everyone else you shouldn't put documentaries on your top 10 list hey look if you see a documentary in a particular year that makes your top 10 films on the list documentaries are movies too but when I think of movies I think of movies I don't think of documentaries to me, documentaries are something different. But that's just the way my brain works. But number nine for me is Senior. A documentary about Robert Downey Jr. and his dad, Robert Downey Sr. I knew nothing about RDJ's father going into this. I knew who he was, you know. I had known that he had something to do with the entertainment industry. But I knew nothing about him. Watching this was such a great experience it made me fall in love with the Downey family that much more like RDJ has such a big heart of gold and you completely see where he, he he gets it after seeing his family and it's one of the few times that I can say too because they're not in it a lot but you do get to see RDJ's kids a few times in it too but the way he is raising his kids Specifically his son, because his son appears in it more because it's a father-son thing, but he's raising his kids right. You can just tell by this thing that they have a really good grip on life. They're not what a lot of people think of when they think of celebrities. That, you know, it's a nice house, but they live in a normal house. You know, it's not like this big over-the-top mansion or something, you know. Um... It's just down to earth. Like, if you need a feel-good thing to watch, I highly recommend Senior. So that's my number nine. Number eight for me is Nope. 
Jordan Peele's next movie. This movie is fantastic. And it's easily my favorite Peele movie. And it's funny because after watching the movie, I watched uh, Roundtable with Jordan Peele and a bunch of other directors about their movies that came out this year. And he actually talked about this was his kind of way of to try to channel his love of like those early Spielberg movies that he grew up on and like those sci-fi type stories and like after hearing him say that I was like oh yeah I totally get that but still putting his spin on it you know it's not like Jordan Peele does Spielberg it's like Jordan Peele is influenced by Spielberg here is his sci-fi movie and it doesn't disappoint I genuinely think that for me it's his strongest movie I know still for a lot of people Get Out is their favorite I know not everyone loved Us for me it goes 3 to 1 for me it goes nope Us Get Out Get Out is still my least favorite um and that's purely from a film watching point of view from what that film does and its importance and things like that I think Get Out is incredible Get Out is a great conversation starter. But in terms of, like, if I was going to watch a Jordan Peele movie, what what would I put on right now? It would be Nope. Nope was so good. I literally can't say anything about this movie because it'll give it away. You have to watch it. It's fantastic. Number seven, The Black Phone. Do you remember that Amblin Entertainment thing I mentioned earlier with the Adam Project? Yeah, Black Phone same vein except horror movie it's that coming of age you know movie Ethan Hawke is fantastic and creepy as shit in this movie um what got me excited about this movie was just the fact it's another movie that's based on a book by Joe Hill which is one of Stephen King's sons so if you didn't know that now you do. So if you're a Stephen King fan, go check out some of Joe Hill's stuff. I haven't read any of his books, but I watched Horns, which was pretty good. And I really love The Black Phone. This movie, just the way it was shot, it's so dark. And I don't mean dark in the way that you might think about it when you're talking about horror. I mean, genuinely, there is some distress disturbing imagery there's just some disturbing things in this movie and it's filmed beautifully and wonderfully um if you are someone that enjoys horror or if you don't enjoy horror but you enjoy like stranger things and 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 the goodies and things like that i would say give this movie a shot because you might be surprised that it it, it might tickle that fancy a little bit but the the kid in this movie i forget his name did such a good job in the main role the the girl who plays the sister of the movie was fantastic as well this whole movie from start to finish was just not what i was expecting going into it and so much better than i could have ever anticipated so there's that and here's my number six. And, you know, this movie started out at three. And as the year progressed, 
it stayed at five for the most it stayed at the halfway point but then a movie came out and I got knocked to sixth place and that's everything everywhere all at once how could this movie not be on my list like when you talk about having a good movie theater experience look no further I am so happy that one of that my the, my favorite theater to go to actually got this movie because I was afraid that they they weren't gonna get it but I'm so happy that I got to see this in the theater. It wasn't a completely full theater when I went and saw it, but it was just such a fun experience for me to see this the way it was supposed to be to be seen. The acting is in it, and it, and it is great. The, the message, the... Like, there's so much that you can take away from this movie. It, it, like, there are so many layers to this film that the more you think about it, just more and more, just make it outstanding. Um... Again, it's another one of those movies. It's really hard to talk about if you haven't seen it. Um, and it's kind of hard to talk about even when you have. Like, who would have ever thought that rocks would make you cry? Talking rocks would make you cry. Or freaking hot dog fingers would be so meaningful. But yet, here we are. The last thing I gotta say, because I have to, because I'm a middle schooler at heart, but I'm just gonna say it's butt plug. There's... There's a thing. Um, that, that just cracked me up in the theater. So here we are in my top five. Um, so at five, we meet again. Wilma del Toro's Pinocchio. Remember I said in my worst list, we would be talking about this one. Here it is in fifth place, del Toro's Pinocchio. It was watching this film that I realized how bad Disney's was. Because I feel like there is similar flavor in both movies. One, like, excretes soul. And the other one kills it. Um, I didn't know what to expect walking into Del Toro's Pinocchio. I figured it would be good. I love Del Toro as a filmmaker. But I didn't know what to expect, genuinely. You know, I knew the basics. I knew it was stop motion animated and I knew it was Pinocchio. That's it. You know, the experience that I got, I don't think I could have ever expected. This movie, like, like up within the first 10, 15 minutes of the film already had me bawling my eyes out. Um, and that's really hard to do, especially with an animated film. But they did it. He he broke my heart. I think the unsung heroes of this film is, is is all the people that worked on this film from the puppeteers to the the model makers, the the wardrobes, the the, the puppets in this are absolutely gorgeous. But what's even so much more astounding, and, and they actually talk about this, there's a featurette on Netflix that you could watch as well. It's like 30 minutes long, and it's a behind-the-scenes of how they made the movie. I highly recommend watching it if you haven't. But, you know, one of the things they talk about is they really tried to with the sets. Because, you know, how do you... Because all of Del Toro's films has a certain look and feel to it. 
how do you do that in animation? But there is no question that when you look at this movie, you can tell from its opening shots, yep, I'm watching a Del Toro film. And they just did it masterfully. The story is wonderful. The acting is great. And I'm actually actually someone who enjoyed the songs in it, too. There might have been one that I didn't like as much as the others, but in terms of do I think the song should have been in the movie or not, I like them there. I really like the music, the the songs. But, you know, maybe I'm the odd one out. Number four, The Fablemans. So this is a movie I actually got to go to the theater with my uh, mom and dad to go see, and it was great. Loved seeing this in the theater. Um, It really is such a celebration of film, you know, as well as kind of delving into what Spielberg's life was like growing up, you know, and what gave him... um, his inspiration and what him growing up kind of was like, you know, and, and, you know, I know some of it is is autobiographical, but I don't know how much of it is, you know, um, but it was just so beautiful. I loved everything about it. You know, I love movies like this. I know it's a little bit darker. It's definitely a drama, but right up my alley. I I love it. I love the Fibblemans. Hey, Spielberg is my second favorite director of all time. So, you know, anytime you get to go to a theater and see a Spielberg film, it's a good day. And number three, The Batman. For the longest time, The Batman was my number one. But I knew that there were some other movies that might beat it close to the end of the year. There was I did not expect in March, that the Batman would still be number one at the end of the year. And it's not. But it's in third place. I love the Batman. Um, It's now my favorite Batman movie. No offense to Christopher Nolan, my favorite director, but it has surpassed the Dark Knight trilogy for me. I love everything that Matt Reeves did with this movie. From Robert Pattinson's Batman to Jeffrey Wright as uh, Commissioner Gordon, to Paul Dano as the Riddler, everything. That that noir, like, take, so good. Just everything I could possibly, um, sneaking, um, God, why can't I think of her name? Catwoman. I can't think of the actress's name. Uh, Kravitz. Why can't I think of her first name? She was brilliant as Catwoman. And probably... I want to see her in another movie, because Michelle Pfeiffer is still really iconic to me. But I gotta tell you, Zoe Kravitz is... on her way to beating Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman for me. I just... I want to see her one more time and see what ha- see what they do with the character. But, damn... This movie was so good. Couldn't have asked for a better. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm kind of in line with everybody else. I kind of wish they didn't have the stinger at the end of the movie um, with Arkham Asylum. I feel like that sort of took away from the movie a little bit. 
but it didn't ruin it for me. You know, I knew that Reeves was trying to plan out like a, a world. I knew that they were working on the show. I know they were doing Penguin. So it didn't bother me too much. I think how that scene in this movie lands is going to, is going to be determined by whether we actually get around to getting those shows and how good they are and things like that, you know? Once we see the full vision completed, then I think we can say whether we really think that scene should be there or not. Or not. Um, right now, it's just from a subjective point of view. And yeah, from a subjective point of view, it should have been there. But, you know, maybe... Maybe there's a good reason why it's there. We'll just have to see. So that's the Batman. Number two. My number two movie of this year is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. I said this on my personal Facebook, and I will say this here. If this was not the year that my number one movie came out, this would have been number one. Knives Out was my favorite movie of 2019. And... Ever since Ryan Johnson coming out and saying that he sort of planned a trilogy, I have been excited with the sequels ever since. That first Knives Out movie just blew me away by how good it was. I love a good mystery. I am a sucker for a mystery movie. And Knives Out was brilliant. Glass Onion, it rivals it, man. There's still a part of me that likes the first one a little bit better. If I had to choose one over another. Really for me it's it's neck and neck. Um, I don't think I could put one above the other. But again if I had to I would choose the first one. But it's not because this one isn't good. Um, you know. Let me let me watch Glass Onion. You know three four five more times. Like I have with Knives Out. I might change my, I might change my tune. And say I like Glass Onion more. I just need to watch it more. I don't have the appreciation for the characters yet. Uh, because I've only seen it once, you know? Because the thing that I love about the first one so much is the character dynamics and how they interact with one another and how there's just this huge, big, dysfunctional family, you know? That's what I thought was so great about Knives Out was all the interplay. Um, and there's great interplay in this one, too. But it's different. So I still need some time with this one. You know. But me saying I'm not going to put it over the first one. Don't take it as I don't think it's good. Because that's not what I'm saying. Glass Onion is incredible. Um, 10 out of 10. Really. For me. Which leads me to my number one. Which. You could probably guess. It's Avatar The Way of Water. Avatar was my favorite film in 2009 when it came out. 13 years ago when I was still working at a movie theater. And it's no surprise that the sequel is my number one too. I was really debating back and forth about whether it was my number one or number two or not. Um, but it's it's definitely my number one. It's absolutely my number one the story the effects 
Gotta drink a drink there with. Getting choked up a little bit. Um, but just, you know, I'm lucky enough to say that I got to see this on IMAX in 3D. And the technology on both these films, really, when the first one came out and, and this one now, it was it's just jaw-dropping. But even then, like, I know a lot of people don't like really simplistic stories, but I do. I've You know, as much as I love something complex, like Glass Onion, or Everything Everywhere All at Once, there's something to be said about taking a simple story and just doing it the absolute best you can. And that's what Avatar is to me. It's like, I don't need it to be Inception. I don't need it to be that. I just want to have an experience. And it gave me that. I cried and got emotional way more in this movie than I was anticipating. And I, like, look, you know, this this saying has been around for years, and it still remains to be true. You don't doubt James Cameron. Everybody was saying that this movie was going to flop and not do as good, that there's no way it could be even... You know, even as good as the first one, nah, it's better. For me, at least, I feel like The Way Water is better. Uh, I still love the first one. I was just, I just watched the first one a little bit the other night. I didn't watch the whole thing again because I did rewatch the first one after before going and seeing the new one. But you know, I just watched a, a few scenes of it the other night, and I love it. I love Avatar and the World of Pandora. So, to recap, my best of 2022 list is starting at 10, The Atom Project, Senior, Nope, The Black Phone, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Wilma del Toro's Pinocchio, The Fablemans, The Batman, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, and Avatar The Way of Water. So those are my best of. Let's get into my anticipated All right, guys, so my most anticipated movies. Now, look, there is a lot of really freaking great movies coming out next year. I just want to acknowledge that there are a handful of movies that just did not make this top 10 list. But believe me, I am excited for them, okay? So at number 10, it's a Super Mario Brothers movie. And I'm not even that big of, like, a Nintendo person, I mean, I love Mario, I love Link, I love the big names, you know, Pokemon, but not, not like a lot of people do, you know, but I, this movie looks like it's going to be great, the animation alone looks gorgeous, and yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not in love with Chris Pratt as Mario, but I do believe that, uh, that it'll be good. Number nine, we've got Shazam Fury of the Gods. Now, I've been pretty open about, I go back and forth constantly about whether Man of Steel or Shazam is my favorite DCU movie. So, I love Shazam. Again, going back to what I was saying earlier about me being like a big fan of like Emblem Entertainment-esque movies, to me, that's what Shazam really felt like. It's like, it's like 
big with Tom Hanks, but superhero. I just loved it. You know, anything like that. Uh, it's just it's it's gonna be on my alley. So I can't wait for Shazam. Next on my list is when you finish saving the world, which is a new movie coming out with Julianne Moore and Finn Wolf Wolfhard. Um directed by Jesse Eisenberg. Um I can't wait. I cannot wait for it. This I, I love drama films like this. Again, pseudo coming of age, you know, growing up sort of kind of thing. This is this is this is in my wheelhouse. So yes, this this is on my list. Um to number seven. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Look, I knew nothing about Miles Morales going into into the Spider-Verse. And I cannot wait for this. I totally understand why, for a while there, me included, there were people saying Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie that we've gotten. 100%. Unfortunately, No Way Home came out, and for me, I put No Way Home above Into the Spider-Verse. But that's just me. That's just, that's just me. I totally get for a lot of people that that first film in this franchise is still their favorite Spider-Man movie. And I totally get why. I can't, I can't wait for the next one. At number six, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Look... I love Rocket Raccoon. I love Groot. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. I love James Gunn. I cannot wait to see what happens with this next movie. I got a feeling all of our hearts are going to be broken to bits. But, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, Number five is The Flash. And yeah, I know some of you might be surprised that I have this on my list at all. But look. From every, I am such a huge fan of Andy Muschietti. After seeing it, Chapter One and it, it Chapter Two, and watching Mama, that I have, I have, I have to know what he did with this movie, because he's becoming one of my favorite directors. So I gotta, I gotta know. Um. Also, not to mention all the Michael Keaton stuff. And all the rumors we've been hearing. Like, I just... I want to know. I want to know. Number four on the list is Wonka. I'm a huge Willy Wonka fan. More of a fan of the Tim Burton one than I am the Gene Wilder one. But I grew up on that Gene Wilder one. And Timothy Chalamet playing Willy Wonka in a musical about Wonka. What is not to love about this? You know? This is right up my alley. Um, and number three, we've got Dune Part Two. I don't think I need to say anything like that. Anything else? It's Dune. It's Part Two. Denis Villeneuve loved Part One. Cannot wait to see where this goes. And here we are at my final two. In second place, my second most anticipated film is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. This would have been on the list somewhere if they hadn't released a trailer. But seeing that trailer they released is what put it at my number two spot. 
Keaton with his crystal skull left me in such a weird place when it comes to Indiana Jones. But seeing this trailer reminded me of how much I love that original trilogy. Raiders and Temple and Last Crusade. Just classics. And I love Mangold as a director. And I really believe he's going to knock this out of the park. So I'm curious. I got to know. I felt the nostalgia feels. I can't wait. But my number one anticipated movie... Uh, and, and, and I'm going to give you guys a cheat code. So anytime this person comes out with a new movie, his movie is probably going to be number one. Maybe not always, but more than likely. But that's Oppenheimer, directed by Christopher Nolan. It's the next Nolan film to come out. As somebody who loves World War II movies, and World War II is my favorite time in history to learn about, I am fascinated by how Nolan is going to frame this. I can't wait. So, yeah, that is my anticipated list. And thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Like, uh, these have been my lists. And, uh, you know, what movies did you enjoy from this year? What movies did you hate from this year? And what are you looking forward to next year? Uh, We got some bangers to look forward to next year. It's going to be packed. I feel like next year is going to be the first year we're really going to start seeing things get back to a new normal, you know? Because a lot of the movies that came out this year were technically movies that were supposed to come out last year, you know? Um, and a lot of and some movies that were supposed to come out this year have been, put, have been pushed back to next year. So I feel like next year is really going to be something crazy. And as a film fan, I cannot wait. So again, thanks for listening, everybody. I'll see you in the next podcast. Peace out.